On Monday, January 6th, 2020, another SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket blasted off from Cape Canaveral, carrying another 60 Starlink internet communications satellites to orbit, bringing the full size of the constellation to 180. With just three launches, SpaceX becomes the largest satellite operator in the world. But the company is just getting started. They're planning to do this every couple of weeks during 2020, bringing the total number of satellites in the constellation to about 1,440, which is enough to provide high-speed internet services to the United States and parts of Canada. Shortly after launch, as the satellites are raising their altitude, they're clearly visible to the eye as they streak across the sky in a close train. And astronomers aren't happy. One of the big topics at this year's meeting of the American Astronomical Society in Honolulu, Hawaii, was the impact of Starlink and the other upcoming internet constellations on astronomy. Astronomers already have to deal with satellites photobombing their photographs of space, but they were surprised at just how bright the Starlinks were. There are about 18,000 satellites and pieces of space junk flying overhead, which are being constantly monitored and reflect a significant amount of sunlight. Right now, there are only about 200 satellites and pieces of space debris visible with the unaided eye. During an average night, 600 to 700 satellites pass overhead any spot on Earth from astronomical sunset to astronomical sunrise, when telescopes are doing their science. During the winter, when the nights are long, the satellites are only visible shortly after sunset and right before sunrise at low angles, which aren't great for observing. But during the summer, with its shorter nights and higher angle of sunlight, some observatories can see satellites pass through their field of view all night long. We get this here in Canada during the summer when the International Space Station will pass right overhead and then 90 minutes later, do it again. It's exciting the first few times and then it becomes a pain to remove from your astrophotos. The Starlink satellites fly at 550 kilometers, low enough that they limit their visibility to the beginning and the end of the night for most of the year. According to astronomers at the AAS meeting, they're brighter than 99% of the objects in orbit, reaching fifth magnitude or just visible with the unaided eye without any kind of brightness mitigation. More worrying though, could be future satellite constellations. Starlink has 180 satellites today, but they've applied for permission to fly as many as 42,000 satellites, starting with 12,000 over the next eight years or so, which means they'll have five times the number of satellites launched by the rest of humanity combined. Another satellite company, OneWeb, has already launched a handful of their internet satellites as well, and these fly at an altitude of 1,200 kilometers. This means that they're fully visible for their entire flight overhead, although they're less bright, seen at only 8th magnitude, but that's still bright enough to leave a bright streak through powerful observatories. Amazon has filed for its own satellite internet service, proposing over 3,000, which will fly at 590, 610, and 630 kilometers, higher than Starlink, and so visible for longer. Perhaps the greatest worry is the new all-sky survey telescopes like the Vera Rubin Observatory, previously known as the Large Synoptic Survey Telescope. 
This instrument continuously scans the skies night after night, helping astronomers find asteroids, comets, new supernovae, and really anything that changes from night to night. The Vera Rubin Observatory has such a wide field of view and takes so many images that there will be multiple starling passes in every photograph. According to one astronomer, the satellites could provide a similar profile to galaxies in brightness, so be prepared for galaxies appearing and disappearing in your data. Even more worrisome could be their impact on radio telescopes, which have already gotten overwhelmed by broadcast satellites. Catching a powerful transmission from a satellite can completely burn out a radio telescope receiver. What can astronomers do to deal with this? And what are satellite companies doing to minimize their impact on astronomy? And I'll talk about that in a second, but first I'd like to thank Vassil, Postfapshame, Sergusi, Christian Berendt, Vasily Kandarov, and the rest of our 848 patrons for their generous support. Because of their support, Chad and I were able to attend this conference, talk with astronomers, and record interviews. Join our community at patreon.com slash universe today. Patricia Cooper, SpaceX's Vice President of Satellite Government Affairs, was at the AAAS meeting and presented SpaceX's perspective on the situation. She outlined the company's short-term plans to build the constellation, but also how they're going to mitigate the impact of the satellites on science and astronomy. Like astronomers, SpaceX was surprised at how bright the satellites are seen from Earth. When they first launch, the satellites are easy to see with the unaided eye. According to Cooper, this is because the satellites open their solar panel in a configuration that reduces drag. Once they reach their operational altitude, they change their angle, making them invisible without a telescope or binoculars. In order to change the brightness, they tried a few methods of darkening one satellite in the most recent launch of 60. It's too early to know if their techniques were successful, though we'll have to wait until February for the satellites to reach their final altitude and proper tests can be done. This is going to be an ongoing process, with astronomers giving feedback to Starlink with each test. Until they can settle on the most effective method, the majority of Starlinks will be flying without any darkening strategy. And they'll stay in space for about five years until they deorbit. The downside of painting the satellites black is that it changes their profile in the infrared spectrum. What makes them less visible in some telescopes could make them much brighter in infrared observatories, so it'll probably end up being some kind of compromise. SpaceX is also providing real-time tracking information for all the satellites to other companies and telescope operators. This will help reduce the chances of an impact, as well as give astronomers warning when a starling could pass through the field of view and saturate their detectors. Telescopes could be programmed to automatically avoid observing regions of the sky where starlings are expected to pass through. Finally, SpaceX will be releasing launch trajectory information for new batches of satellites to help astronomers observe around the times when the bright launch train might be flying through their field of view. Although astronomers were very frustrated with Starlink and the age of global satellite constellations, they were kind of pleased that SpaceX is actually working with them to mitigate the impact. Because regulators have already approved the satellite launches, astronomers can't rely on new laws. They've got to work with SpaceX to lower the brightness of Starlink. Astronomers have already had six meetings with SpaceX to figure out a strategy, and they've described the company as open and responsive to their suggestions to mitigate brightness. 
Many people have suggested in the past, and I'm sure I'll get it in the comments here too, why don't astronomers just switch to space telescopes instead? The reality is that ground-based astronomy is still a bedrock of the science, even with lowering rocket launch costs. A modern ground-based observatory with adaptive optics can reduce the impact of the Earth's atmosphere as if the telescope was in space. Ground-based observatories can be easily built, upgraded, and adapted with new science instruments. Astronomy from the surface of the Earth is going to be vital for decades. But with all this impact on astronomy, the reality is that humanity is going to want to connect to the Internet. You're here watching this video right now, and that's because you're wealthy enough or in a densely populated enough area that it's feasible for an Internet service provider to connect you to the Internet. You're free to comment, communicate, and watch videos. You can do your banking, shopping, educate yourself, and search for jobs. Half the population of the Earth isn't there yet. There are 5 million cell phone towers worldwide, and it'll take many more to go the final mile and connect the rest. Think of how much an eyesore these towers already are. Think about thousands of kilometers of ditches dug for fiber optics or underwater cables running through sensitive marine environments. Think about the impact on radio telescopes when there are powerful 5G antennae blanketing every corner of the Earth. Satellite internet is probably the only way to bring the rest of humanity online without a significant impact on the environment. It's too bad that more time wasn't taken to reduce the impact on science and astronomy, but this revolution in communication is inevitable. The only way to know if it was worth it will depend on whether or not it was a benefit to humanity. Did it allow billions of people to join the global online community at an affordable price? Or did it allow stockbrokers a way to shave a few nanoseconds off their trades? We're just going to have to wait and find out. What do you think? How much of a benefit would Starlink have to provide for you to be willing to pay the price of a loss of our skies? Let me know your thoughts in the comments. Here are the names of the patrons who support us at the $10 level and more. Want to see your name here? Support the work we do? Go to patreon.com universe today. Once a week, I gather up all my space news into a single email newsletter and send it out. It's got pictures, brief highlights about the story, and links you can find out more. Go to universetoday.com newsletter to sign up. And did you know that all of my videos are also available in a handy audio podcast format so that you can have the latest episodes as well as special bonus material like interviews with me show up right on your audio device. Go to universetoday.com audio or search for Universe Today on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll put a link in the show notes. We did a whole video on Starlink talking about how they work, what the plans are to build and operate the constellation, and you could watch that here now.